You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. How many of you would say right now, Pastor, just in more ways than one, this is really a time of need for me. I'm, I'm just going through a time of need. Would you raise your hand? I see that. Oh, some shot up right away. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's put your hands down. You can open your eyes. Um, the, the vast majority here. And uh, <laughs> nobody, we'll turn this down just a little bit, Brother, Brother James. Uh, nobody thought that this year was going to go the way it is going now. Uh, that is certain. But when you read letters like Brother, Brother Luke read, and uh, I had read that this morning, uh, we still have it good. We really do. And uh, I could preach for hours on how it does not take much to aggravate Americans. It really doesn't. It doesn't take much to make us feel like we're victims and everybody's against us and the world is crashing in uh, when it could be a lot worse. Now I understand no matter what situation you're going through, it could be a lot worse. But when you just take a step back and look at some of the things that we complain about and some of the things that we worry about, some of the things that we argue with the Lord about, what are they? What are they? And we need to remind ourselves about that every now and then. Uh, we are just spoiled here. We're very spoiled. But it's not just America. I think people are frustrated all around the world right now. And you see that. You see that in the, in the headlines. You see that just everywhere that you look. People are frustrated with what is going on. And take, take the whole coronavirus thing out of it. This is just a volatile time. Uh, people are very frustrated with government and with, uh, with politics, with the direction that maybe certain countries are going, with wars and rumors of wars. But if you, if you just look around and, and do some study, you'll see that drug use and alcohol use, domestic violence and suicides, all of that is up right now. All of it is up, extremely up right now. Uh, everybody has a chip on their shoulder. It's not easy to, to knock that off. You see people fighting, people getting into fist fights in grocery stores because we're standing too close to one another. Come on. And that's in America. You never thought that you would see these things right now. Depression is up. People are making poor decisions because we're, we're, emotionally, we're emotionally stretched right now. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to admit that. Some of you have blown up at your family this last week because you are emotionally stretched and your patience is wearing thin. But people are making poor decisions, making business decisions, making family decisions, making decisions about church, making decisions about their children, making decisions about school in a time when we really should be patient. We're just rushing into things. I, I read about a young man the other day, and because of everything that's going on with the stock market, and of course it's, it's back up now, so I'm sure the news media is going to find a way to spin it, uh, but it's coming back up, but when it was down, 
um, people were basically trying to encourage, if you've ever wanted to get into trading, now's the time to do it. And if you've ever wanted to start investing, now's the time to do it. So a young man, just not knowing what he was doing, starts investing, wakes up in the morning and finds out that he owed $700,000. So he shot himself in the head. People are making poor decisions. People are stir-crazy. Kids are stir-crazy. I'm telling you, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue this year. We're, we're going to deal with it all around this country. With kids not being in school, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem with kids. Kids are not meant to be sardined in a room sitting in front of a screen. It's not meant to happen. People are looking in the wrong places to break up boredom. We're playing video games. Internet activity is up, and you can use your imagination on that. Crime is through the roof. People are fighting with their families. There's great religious persecution everywhere, and we just read about that. People are losing patience. Doesn't take much for people to lose their temper today. The majority of people right now are angry at the past, they're frustrated with the present, and they are worried about the future. This is a time of need. So let's ask ourselves this question. What creates a time of need? Now, that's a difficult question. You know the answer to it, but you're thinking about it right now. It's deficiency. It's just a simple answer. What, what creates a time of need? Deficiency. Times of need are created and fueled by deficiency. So you're driving in a car, and you're trying to get from point A to point B, but you run out of gas in midway. You have a deficiency. You need something, you need gas, in order to make up the deficiency so that you can make the rest of your trip. How many of you gentlemen have tried to put together maybe a project, or you've had a DIY something that you're trying to build, or you're trying to fix the car, and then you realize you can't finish the job because you are deficient of a tool. You need one special tool. You need one special part in order to finish the job. That is a deficiency that you come short of it. You need something in order to remove that deficiency. So what is it for us? Many of you raised your hand. I think all of you could have raised your hand. What is it for you? Where are you deficient? right now? Is it strength? Is it finances? People are financially burdened right now. Is it patience? Are you deficient in patience? Are you deficient in wisdom? Are you deficient in the initiative that it's going to take to take the next step of faith? Are you deficient in love? Are you deficient in your forgiveness for others? Are you deficient in, in something that needs to mend you? Maybe you're, you're broken and, and you need to be mended, but you don't know how that's going to happen. Are you deficient in joy? Are you deficient in restraint? Are you deficient in guidance? Well, where are you going to find that? Where are you going to Find what you need in order to erase that deficiency. Yourself? See, when we are deficient in strength and we look to ourselves to make up that deficiency, usually what we do 
is we make others around us weaker so that we feel stronger. We try to come down on people and make them feel smaller so that we can feel bigger. If we're deficient in finances and we try to fix that ourselves, many times people's priorities go wrong and they start working overtime on Sunday and Wednesday instead of being in church. If we're deficient in patience and we're trying to make that up ourselves, a lot of times we just quit. So many times I've heard people, well, at this job, I, I, I can't stand this job because this guy named Barry is there and Barry drives me nuts. So I'm going to quit and I'm going to find another job. Let me just give you an, some advice here. Barry is everywhere. Every job has a Barry. Every job has, you, you put the name in. You're thinking of them right now. You're thinking of them right now. And if you're thinking, no, my job doesn't have one of those, you're the person. And people just quit and they run from their problems. And what do you know? Problems follow. He's everywhere. The person that's always biting and always barking and always poking, he's everywhere. Can't run from him. Are we deficient in the initiative to take that step of faith? Well, then many times we just push it aside and we justify not taking that step of faith or not answering the Lord's call. Are we deficient in forgiveness for others? Well, if we're trying to find that in ourselves, a lot of times it just turns to bitterness. If you're deficient in an area where you are broken, you are never going to find that mending within yourself. I remember hearing of a story of a man who went and saw a psychologist or a counselor or whatever. And he was telling the counselor, he says, I, I'm just done. I, I'm, I'm depressed. I've been depressed for years. I never laugh. I never smile. Nothing seems to be fixing just the weight that is in my heart. And the counselor knew that there was a circus in town. And at that circus, there was this famous clown. And some of you are scared of clowns, so just uh, uh, whatever. It was a clown, Okay. And, I mean, the clown was just great at making people laugh, and he could do all these balloon things and all, all, this, all these magic tricks, and he was just great. At, that counselor knew, you know, you just need to go, and you need to see that clown. He'll make you laugh. He'll make you smile. Everything will be better. And the man said, I am that clown. Have you ever felt that way? Where you are the one comforting everybody, but nobody is there to comfort you? where you are the one reaching out to everybody, but nobody's reaching out to you, it happens. If you're deficient of joy, you're not going to bring that yourself. When you try to bring joy to yourself, from yourself, that never brings peace in the soul. It might bring pleasure to the flesh, but it will never bring peace to the soul. If you are lacking or you are deficient in restraint, something needs to hold you back, it's not going to come from you. We are our best cheerleader. Do it! If we're deficient in guidance, are we going to get that from ourselves? That, that's what the world says. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Your desperately wicked and deceitful heart. So it's not going to come from ourselves. Is it going to come from man? Well, that's what a lot of people are doing right now. That's what a lot of people are believing. They are, they are looking. I am deficient in finances. I'm deficient in this, this, that. So I'm going to look at man-made philosophy. There's just a problem with that. Man-made philosophy is always changing. 
It's always changing. One day it's, oh, this is what you need to do to bring joy to your life. No, this is what you need to do to bring joy to your life. No, this is what you need to do. And constantly arguing, 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 change, change, change. People are looking at man-made religion, which is nothing but shallow. That it, we have, I was talking to one of our, our uh, church members just a couple days ago. Forget about the pandemic of, of coronavirus. For a long time, we have had a pandemic of shallow Christianity and shallow religion where it's all seeker-friendly, come as you are, leave as you came, I'm going to tickle your ear for about 15 minutes. You wish I would preach for 15 minutes. Sometimes I, I, I try. Just the, the clock keeps going faster. But what we're finding out right now is all of these churches that are all just about tickling the ear, now when we're actually facing an obstacle, now when we actually need the Lord in order to make it through something, we have no root within ourselves. And all these churches that are amassing thousands of people haven't fed anybody in months, haven't fed anybody in years. It's all sugar. It's, it's syrup. It's syrup and MSG. That's all it is. I could, I could drive you around right now to all the syrup and MSG churches. And you know what? If you want to feed your kid nothing but syrup and candy and MSG, they'll love you. Until one day they get sick. And then they're going to say, Mom and Dad, why didn't you feed me what would have prepared me for this? What loving parent would look at their child and say, just eat whatever you want, do whatever you want, go wherever you want? Or when we love them, when we say, no, you put down the nerd's rope and pick up the asparagus and eat it. Don't give me that look, Miss Tracy. You don't like asparagus, that's right. Broccoli. Okay. As long as it's not lima beans. Just can't do those. People are looking for man-made counsel. You know what man-made counsel is all about? It's all about greed. All right, sure, you want me to scratch your back? Well, you're going to scratch mine first. Yeah, sure, I'll help you. I'll charge you for it. And you know what else comes from man-made counsel? They don't care about you. If you look at Rehoboam, what does Rehoboam do? when the people of his, of his kingdom come up to him, including Jeroboam, and say, look, we, the, the burden under your father was great. Can you ease it up just a little bit? He goes to the old men, and what do the old men say? Yeah, they're right. They're right. Ease it up just a little bit, and they'll love you, and they'll follow you. Then he goes to his peers. And you know what they say? Turn up the heat, man. Don't just chastise them with whips. Tie knots in the whips. Those are called scorpions. Chastise them with scorpions. Tell them you're going to have more, you're going to have more, uh, I, I forgot the word, but you're, it's, it's going to be a lot worse. There you go. That's the original Hebrew. And that is typical man-made counsel. Because Rehoboam takes it and he goes, and guess who bears the brunt of that counsel? The counselors? No, nothing happened to them. All of the attack comes on Rehoboam. No, no, no. There's only one thing in this world that's powerful enough to help in time of need. Only one thing so amazing, marvelous, infinite, matchless, freely bestowed on all who believed. 
what has brought us safe thus far, and it's what will lead us home. Unmerited favor, undeserved love. May I remind us tonight that all we deserve is eternity in hell. But God saw our low estate. And God saw our sinful soul. And he saw our deficiency. And he saw our time of need. And he saw that no matter what we did, our works would never make up that deficiency. He saw that. There is nothing that man can do to erase deficiency. Works always brings deficiency. Only grace brings sufficiency. You can work for your entire life to get to heaven, but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. You know what that is? That's deficiency. You need something. What, what's going to make up that need? What erases that deficiency? For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Think about Paul's thorn in the flesh. He was thinking, Lord, I'm just, I'm falling short. I'm not ministering the way that I should because of this thorn in the flesh. If you would remove this, I'd be a better preacher. I'd be a better missionary. I'd be a better speaker. I'd be, I'd, I wouldn't, my bodily presence wouldn't be so contemptible. Three times. Until the Lord finally taught him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. So you know what that story teaches us? We don't just need grace for salvation. We need grace every day. We need grace every single day. Is there ever a time in our lives when we need nothing? When we have no deficiencies? That's what the church at Laodicea thought in Revelation chapter 3. It said, we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And God said, you know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. As long as we are on this earth, we will need grace to help in time of need. And only God is the source of grace. We're not going to find grace in any other place. John 1.17 says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So I have three encouragements for you. Not six, three. Three encouragements for you that we can find in tonight's passage. First of all, we can find grace to help in time of need because Jesus Christ, the source of all grace, lives. Look in verse 14. Seeing, and how do we see? How do we see that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens? How do we see that? With our eyes or by faith? By faith. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Often in time of need, when we see just how deficient we are, what are we tempted to think? What's the point? What's the point? I can't make up that deficiency. My need is too great. I'm too weak, and this obstacle is too big. I can't even make it through the end of the day. I'm not going to make it through the end of the day. And we're, I'm looking at this and it's going to go on months. There's no way. I'm not going to hold fast my profession. What's the point? You know what that man in Belarus is thinking right now? He's thinking, all I have to do is give up and no more beatings. All I have to do is recant my belief. 
and no more kidnappings. You don't think the devil's on that man's shoulder right now telling him that? When you look to yourself and you look to man and nothing has brought help. And in many ways, you know it, when we look to ourselves and when we look to man, things get worse. Think about Elijah. Brother Rusty, it's getting a little warm in here. Can we, can we turn down the, uh, the AC? I'll try to move around a little. A little extra. Did it just come on? Oh, perfect. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Brother Rusty's good. He's got it on his, on his watch. Think about Elijah. Think about Elijah when he's facing Ahab. You know, he looked to himself, and he, he did pretty good. He did, he, did, he did all right, but he could not defeat the rebellion in Ahab and Jezebel's heart. He was deficient in that area. And when he saw that, he gave up. He looked to man. The Bible says that he, he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. The people answered him, not a word. And he ends up saying in that next chapter, I'm alone. Lord, I'm alone in this. And he requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough, O Lord. I am not better than my father's. Elijah went through that. The Bible says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. I've told this story before, uh, but Martin Luther. And he uh, married a young lady, and her name was Catherine. And Martin Luther was, was uh, not a, the most exciting uh, man as far as his personality is concerned. But at one point, he went through a, a terrible drought um, in his, in, of depression. And nothing could bring him out of it. And from what I remember reading, it went on for weeks. And so one day, his wife put on some funeral clothes. And she started walking around the house mourning. And Martin Luther was going out to work at, at one point, and he found her. He's like, what's going on with you? And she said, well, somebody died. He said, well, who died? And she said, God died. And he said, what are you talking about, woman? God isn't dead. God's alive. What, what are you talking about mourning that God is dead? God isn't dead. And she looked back and said, then why have you been acting like he is for the past few weeks? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. As long as Jesus is alive, that means the throne of grace is still there. He's still our intercessor. He's still our great high priest. We still have access to the throne. We're not alone. We're not alone in this. Oftentimes, though, in time of need, you feel alone. There are some times, like Job, you say, I, I look to the left and to the right. He's not there. I look before and behind, and he's not there. But he knoweth the way that you take. When he has tried you, you will come forth as gold. I love the song. It says, I know every pain I feel becomes his very own. God knows the weakness of my heart that I can't make it all alone. Yes, he knows what I can handle, and he never gives me more. And when my strength comes to its end, he has more grace in store. We're not alone. 
Some people tell you, you know, the worst thing about the time of need is feeling alone. Well, we're not alone. But we'll transition here. I think there's something worse than feeling alone in a time of need. I think it's worse to actually be surrounded by people who think they know what you need. Have you ever gone through a time of need and suddenly everybody's your counselor? Read Job. And those friends come up. And the first one, Eliphaz. Eliphaz the Temanite. You know what he starts doing? Well, Job, I don't know what you did. But I'll tell you what I would do. If I were you, I would do this. And if I were you, I would do this. And I would do that. And I would do that. And you know what Job comes back? And, he, and after, the, after the friends have had their rounds, you know what Job says in chapter 16, verse 2. Miserable comforters are ye all. Have you ever had somebody try to comfort you? Maybe you, you lost somebody or you lost something, you're going through something, and, and they say, I understand, I understand. You go, oh, you've been through this before. Oh, no, no. Well, then I'm sorry, you don't understand. And because they don't understand, they don't know what you need. They don't know what you need. So if it's not enough encouragement to know that Jesus is alive, and that means the throne of grace is still there. And you can go to him for help in time of need. Think about this as well. Verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I love this. We can find grace to help in time of need because Jesus lives and because he lived. He walked in your shoes. There is not one feeling not one heartache, not one circumstance that we could ever go through that Jesus has not gone through. Do you know what it's like to feel tempted? Jesus knows what that's like too. Are you lonely? Jesus was often alone. All of his disciples forsook him and fled. Are you grieving? Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Have you lost a loved one? Jesus wept over Lazarus. Are you poor? Jesus had no place to lay his head. Are you despised? So was Jesus. Are you, have you been betrayed by somebody? The thing about being betrayed, you can't be betrayed unless that person's close to you. So was Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, knows how it feels to be human. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And if that wasn't humbling enough, then he humbled himself again and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, right there, probably across the page. For in that he himself hath, hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them, that are tempted. Church, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus does. And you can write this down. He is not only there for you because he lives, he has been there before you because he lived. 
He is not only there for you, he has been there before you. He knows what it's like to be tempted and tried by fear. He knows what it's like to have worry come across. He knows what it's like to be exhausted. He, he knows what it's like to hunger and thirst. There is not one point in which we can be tempted that Christ did not go through without sin. Okay, so, so what encouragement would it be to come across somebody, let's say you lost, let's say you lost a parent. Or, no, let's, let's do it this way. Let's say you're just, you're just going through a, a struggle in your life. You're being tempted. You're being tried by something. Whatever it is, okay? And you meet somebody, and they say to you, hey, I've been through that too. I've been through that exact same thing. And then you look back at them and you say, well, what happened? What happened? How did you get through it? And then they look back and say, oh, I didn't get through it. I completely messed up my life because I quit. And I... What encouragement is that? But Jesus has not only been through it all, he's never failed. He's never failed in it. There's never one area. And he doesn't hold that over our heads. He doesn't kick you while you're down. Because here's the truth. Even though Jesus was tempted, but he did it without sin, Oftentimes, when we are tempted and tried, that's when we sin the most. But the Bible says that Jesus knows our frame. In Psalm 103, he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And he doesn't hold it over your head. The Bible says he is touched. He sympathizes with the feeling of our infirmities. What a Savior we have. Let us, therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why, why do we need mercy? Why do we obtain mercy? Well, because if we're honest with ourselves, many times we find ourselves in time of need because we messed up. And before we can find grace to help, in that time of our need, we have to find mercy to forgive the sin that brought the time of need. How often have we found ourselves in a mess of our own making? Because of our pride, because of our lust, because of our temper, because of our deceit or our greed or our doubt or our fear, our laziness, our gossip, whatever it is. We find ourselves in a mess and we are in every way deficient. We are not going to make up that deficiency on our own. You can be like the Pharisee who comes down praying to the temple and says, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like that publican over there. Sorry, Brother Danny, I'm not trying to point at you. I'm glad I'm not like that publican over there. I tithe of all that I possess. And I give this, and I do that, and I, I, I. But that publican smote his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I'll tell you which one went home justified. It wasn't the Pharisee. It was that publican. Well, I don't need grace. I'll do it myself. You're a fool. We are fools if we say that. 
Trusting in ourselves is what brought the time of need in the first place. I don't think there's anybody here in this, in this blessed church and you people that I love so much, I, I don't believe there's anybody here who would say, I don't need grace, I'll do it myself. But I've heard people even recently swing to the other end and say, God wouldn't help me because I got myself into this mess. People over here through pride think, I'll get myself out. Some people over here through shame say, I have to get myself out. I'm the one who got myself in it. Is that not more foolish? When the Lord says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need, isn't that more foolish? I think, I think it is. Jesus is calling to you today. He lives today. He ever liveth to, to, to bring or to make intercession for us, the Bible says. He is there for you. Not only that, he lived on earth for 33 years, is in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's been there before you. He knows your frame. He knows you need mercy. He knows you won't make it without grace. And he freely gives it to anybody who will come and ask of him. Come boldly unto the throne of grace. That doesn't mean we come proudly. Doesn't mean we poke out our chest and stick up our chin. We don't come boldly in, a, in our attitude. We come boldly in our assurance that God is going to give us exactly what we need through his grace. Exactly what we need. We talked about other people not knowing what you need because they haven't been through it. Well, you're going through it right now, and many times, I have no idea what I need either. Have you ever felt that way? Somebody, somebody comes up to you and, hey, I want to pray for you. I know that you're going through a difficult situation. What should I pray for? And you go, no clue. Just pray. What do you need? What do you need in order to get yourself out of this situation? Uh, strength? <laughs> grace? I don't know. Just a lot of it. Just pray for grace. How many times have we thought, oh, Lord, if I just had money. We think we need money. Lord, I need money. I need money to get out of this time of need. But God knows, no, you need patience right now. So we come to the throne of grace. Lord, I need help. And we're thinking help is money. And he just gives us patience. And we're thinking, Or sometimes we think we need strength to deal with a difficult person in our life. Lord, I need strength. But God knows it's deeper than that. We need to forgive that person. We think we need love. But God knows we need tough love. How much do you think that prodigal son's father wanted to chase after him? But he didn't. He stayed home so that that young man had a place to come back to. We think we need less adversity. God knows we need more strength. We think we need to forget our past, but God knows we need to learn from it. We think we need to understand. Lord, I just need to understand what's going on. And he says, no, you just need to trust. I'm done. Jesus lives forever as our high priest. That is why grace is available. 
and always will be. Jesus lived on this earth. And that's why grace is applicable. It's exactly what you need. And Jesus gives his grace. So if you're taking notes, Jesus lives, Jesus lived, Jesus gives. Jesus gives his grace to all who ask him. And that is why grace is incredible. So when's the last time you've come to the throne of grace for help in time of need? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.